And I was so lucky and so blessed to have friends who supported my dream and supported my vision. And I want to say to you dreamers out there, put together your dream team. Have people who see you, who believe in you, who stand for you, because it makes all the difference in the world when you falter and you waver to have beloved friends who say, you got this, you got this kid, you can make this happen. This dream is not too big for you. It's yours. That makes all the difference in the world between a woman being able to stand for her truth and stand for her desires. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. I always say I'm just a girl from Ohio with really big dreams. And now I work from home running a dream business that helps you achieve your goals and create more joy in your life. This podcast is all about all the topics that really matter to you. And it's about giving you everything you need in one place. Mindset, relationships, wellness, lifestyle, money, business, and career. We have it all. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 239, How to Take Your Pleasure Seriously with Regina Thomasauer, otherwise known as Mama Gina. So Mama Gina is a teacher and best-selling author, as well as a mother and media personality and the founder and CEO of the School of Womanly Arts. This school began in her living room in 1998 and has since grown into a global movement. Regina believes that women are the greatest untapped natural resource on the planet, and that as people of all genders reclaim their magnificence in the feminine, the patriarchy will fall, liberating us all. Her approach stems from decades of research in the social, cultural, and economic history of women. Her distinctive style, at once irreverent, unwavering, affirming, sweary, has engaged thousands all over the world. In addition to leading the School of Womanly Arts, she has authored four popular books, including her newest New York Times bestseller, Pussy, a Reclamation, and has been featured widely as a leading expert in modern feminism. She lives and works in New York City. So Regina is one of the incredible teachers who has made such an impact on my life. When I read the book Pussy, I was so transformed. My eyes were open to what was possible when we truly tap into the feminine and all the power that comes with it. So today I was so excited to have Regina on this show and have her share all of her wisdom with our community. Yes, she can be a bit edgy. Yes, she tells it like it is. But I'm so glad that someone like her has the bravery and tenacity to stand up to what she knows is true and honestly take a stand for all women. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. I know your socks are going to be knocked off. I know you're going to love her and love everything she has to say, and it may trigger you a little bit, but that's okay. That's what's meant to happen. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Regina. I'm so excited to have this time with you and just share all your wisdom with our community. I am thrilled to be here, Emily. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm excited to get down with you today and kind of see where we are and go back and forth and turn each other on and all like that. 
Love it. Yeah. I want to share all the listeners in first in terms of what a fan I am of you and your work. Um, Just probably six months or so ago, I discovered you in particular, the book called Pussy that you wrote. That's so, so powerful. And it really transformed my life. And so I began to talk more. Well, I shared the reference with all of our students. And I began to really think about how I could apply your work to my life. And it's just been so transformational in many, many ways. So I just want to say that first and foremost, because I think I had a lot of question marks in my mind around what would a book called Pussy actually be about and how would I respond to it? And I think there are other people that might feel the same, but I want to say first and foremost that your work is so transformational. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for being brave enough to pick up a book called Pussy. It's a very (laughs) provocative title. It's a little bit obnoxious or offensive, actually. And so for you to have like felt the vibe through the outrageous title and reached for it and read it, I just really want to give you a big shout out for that. Not a simple thing. Thank you. So before we go to the the book and share a little bit more about your work, I'd love to know how you came to do this work. You have the School of Womanly Arts, you are an author, you are a speaker, you're creating courses. So can you take us back? Because I know that's not where you started. Yeah, I would say like all really good stories with women, it starts with rupture. You know, there is no really great tale of a woman becoming who she is in the world that doesn't start with some kind of profound rupture, or difficulty or challenge. Like the best stories are made of that. So I would say that mine began when I was a little girl and like so many girls and young women in our culture, I had an experience of abuse in my family and that uh, made its mark inside my body and uh, mind and soul and being. And I didn't really clock it at the time because, you know, your family is your family and you don't think of really, you know, you don't stand in, it's just family. But when I was a little kid, around five or six, the goddess would come visit me at night and sit on the edge of my bed, like right in, right by my pillow. And I would kind of feel her presence and feel that beautiful, what you call just like a delicious feeling inside my body, knowing that there was this majesty in my, that I was in the presence of. And I, when I would turn to look, cause I'd want to see her, she would vanish. And so I learned something from that. I learned that the goddess lives in the periphery and I got hell bent on finding her. And I searched in different you know, I knew she wasn't Jewish because there was no goddess in my synagogue. <laughs> that the majority of the world's religions are based, uh, you know, patriarchal and having a male godhead. So I looked in churches and shrines and temples, but I could never really find the goddess. And it wasn't until uh, somewhat later in my life that I had my first encounter with her. So I was always a seeker. I was always kind of trying to figure out, like repair the hole in my own soul uh, that I could not heal with therapy or different self-help classes or, you know, getting the degree in my college degree, like nothing seemed to make me feel like I was standing in the woman I was born to become. I felt woefully sure. I felt so, I had a lack of confidence. I had so much self-doubt, self-deprecation, disapproval of myself. I'd I I had no idea that I was, you know, like all babies, all women, all people, we are all beautiful. But as women, we have 
so much self-criticism that takes the place of our own ownership of our own feminine majesty and miraculousness. So I was just a hot friggin' mess, kind of desperate to find a way to live the fullness of who I was as a woman. So after I, I kind of jumped off the train of, you know, the, the normal resources that people choose. And I chose to study pleasure and sensuality and orgasm. And it was through the discipline of pleasure that I encountered the divine feminine that I'd always been looking for, literally in my own reflection. And I was like, it's pleasure that allowed me to see the goddess in me. I've got to tell women about this because it's a greatest, best kept secret of our generation is women do not know that we are divine. We do not know that we are sacred. We do not know that we are delicious and gorgeous and filled with majesty and magic. So I thought, well, I've got a, that's my life path is to awaken women and turn women on. So it was kind of circuitous, kind of having to do with spiritual path, sensual path, and then resolved in me creating the School of Womanly Arts when my daughter Maggie was born. Amazing. Feel so much like you'll see when you have a kid, like you feel such a strong sense of, I don't know, like gratitude to the women who made us possible and wanting deeply to be of service to the girls of today and the women of tomorrow. So I was like, I got to open the School of Womanly Arts and hold space for women to become radiant and all that they can be. So that's kind of... Mm -hmm. That's a quick snapshot version of what took many, many years. And for your listeners, I'd like to say that if you aren't at the place of living what you know your life path to be, don't worry, trust it. It's coming. It may not be in the sequence that you want. It may not be here right now, but you are on the pathway. You have a voice in the world that is important and significant, and you will get there. Just keep trusting yourself. Such an amazing reminder. So in the book, Pussy, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the story of you stepping into the dress, because we have a lot of listeners who, like you just said, they might feel like they're not exactly embodying who they want to be. They don't know how to take the next step. They don't know how to fully show up. So can you share that story and take us back? Yeah, absolutely. I got it in my head that I was going to open this school of womanly arts and uh, teach women about pleasure. And then I had just had my baby uh, probably a year before my daughter, Maggie. And so I was, I just become a mama. And so I was like, oh, uh, okay. I'll call myself Mama Gina and I'll open the school of womanly arts. But then I had no idea, you know, who Mama Gina was, like, what did she wear? And what did she look like? You know, what did she, how did she sound like? Like, it seemed like, you know, cause I'm terribly shy. I'm very uh, introverted, but also extroverted. So kind of the mama Gina persona allowed me to really step into kind of a bigger voice than maybe I shy Regina might have. I kind of wanted to create this school and, but I just, I didn't know who Mama Gina was. So I talked to all my girlfriends. I had this idea that I needed a painting of myself over the fireplace because anytime I'd gone, I went to a woman's college. I went to Mount Holyoke College and Mary Lyon was the founder of Mount Holyoke. And there was these big portraits of Mary Lyon on top of fireplaces and mantles. And I was like, I'm going to found a school. I bet better have a portrait of myself. And I had a friend who is a painter. And so she was like, great, I'll paint you, but you got to show up in the studio and wear something. And I, I had literally no money at that time and no idea of what I was doing. So my friend, Yolanda, I had this wonderful friend, Yolanda, 
And she was like, well, I'll take you to my favorite store and we'll pick out something. And so it was like probably noon and I was due at the studio at two. So we go to this store called Bergdorf Goodman, which is basically church for clothes. It is so unbelievable. Did you ever go to Bergdorf? Yes. Yeah. Stunning stuff. Never had been in any place like that in my life. Like I grew up, my mama, we shopped at discount stores. There's this place in Philly called Artie's, which was like stuff that had a little bit something wrong with it. And you'd buy it on a discount. <laughs> we had, there was three kids in my family, a lot of mouths to feed. So I wasn't used to this splendor. And so I went into the dressing room and the saleswoman and my friend kept bringing me all these clothes to put on. And I tried on this dress, which was created by the designer, Mary McFadden. Oh my God. It was beaded with this like greenish blue and gold and silver and cranberry beads up at the top off the shoulder. And then this like accordion pleated kind of fortuny fabric on the bottom. And it was the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And when I put this on, I was like, there she is. That's Mama G. <laughs> like, I'm getting this dress. This is the one. And then I looked at the price tag and it was $6,000. And I was like, I cannot get this dress. And then Yolanda told me, she was like, but Regina, here's the thing that ladies do. They buy it and then they return it the next day. Like maybe they wear it to their, you know, rich lady, that wealthy women, they, they buy it, they wear it to their function. They're really careful with it. And then they return it the next day. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll go for the fitting, the sitting. I'll, I'll get the dress. I'll go get the painting done and then I'll return it to the store the next day. I had like a bunch of like credit cards that I put a bunch of things on and then Yolanda let me use her credit card like and maxed out every single little stack of credit cards that I had. And I was so terrified to walk through the streets of New York with this dress because I thought I, I need, it needs to come back to the store tomorrow. So I get to finally, I take a cab, which I never did. Took a cab to my friend's studio, put the dress on, stuffed the armpits with tissue paper so that I wouldn't sweat in it. So it would be all perfect for the return. And then I sat there for four hours while she painted me. And I thought, great, we'll be done. And then she, at the end of the day, she turns the canvas around. And the only thing on the canvas were my eyes. Wow. And I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> it's only the eye. She didn't even get the dress. Oh my God. So I had this really good friend who was an, an artist and he came by at the end and he was like, Regina, you just, if this is Mama Gina, do whatever it takes, get the dress. And my then husband, this wonderful man named Bruce, he was like, get the dress. If you need that dress, get the dress. Like he believed in me. And so I did this outrageous act, which I kind of recommend. I think that if you swing on a big vine, you are going to land somewhere even bigger and better than you could have ever dreamed. But I also don't recommend because, you know, it's a big risk. You have to look inside and see if this is your risk to take. So I ended up buying the dress, did all the sittings in the dress. And then Peter, my friend Peter, he said to me, Regina, you can't just show up in the dress. You have to get the shoes for the dress. You have to get earrings for the dress. You have to get underpinnings. Like you are going to have to step into this role with your whole heart and soul. And I was so lucky and so blessed 
to have friends who supported my dream and supported my vision. And I want to say to you dreamers out there, put together your dream team. Have people who see you, who believe in you, who stand for you, because it makes all the difference in the world when you falter and you waver to have beloved friends who say, you got this, you got this kid, you can make this happen. This dream is not too big for you. It's yours. That makes all the difference in the world between a woman being able to stand for her truth and stand for her desires and or fold, which we're so likely to do as women. We're so, it's so easy for us to not step into wild, outrageous dreams. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. The reason I wanted you to share that is because I've been thinking about that metaphor in particular with myself, but also my clients, because it's not obviously just about a dress. It's like, how can we fully step into the dress that is our life or our purpose or our relationship or whatever, or an activity we want to do and fully embody who we're meant to be and not just have the dress, but all the key components that make up the full self. Right. I really believe, thank you for asking me this story, Emily, because we as women, we have desires and you could say, oh no, that desire is frivolous, right? It's a dress, Regina. Like it's just a dress. Like how can you, you know, even when you had no money whatsoever, you put it on these credit cards, of course you promised to pay it back and eventually did, but you didn't really know you could at the time. And how do you say yes to something when it seems frivolous or self-indulgent or in some way, you know, how could this be a meaningful investment? But that's the magic of a woman's desire. The desire is the interface between you and that which is greater than you. There's no desire that is inconsequential. It is, it's the way we hold hands with the goddess. The goddess presences herself on this earth through our longings and through our desires. So there is no desire that is frivolous or unimportant or overlookable. Every single one of your desires is so precious, even as something as, you know, seemingly meaningless as a dress turned out to be the spark that was the catalyst to me launching the School of Womanly Arts, which has impacted the lives of hundreds of thousands of women in the past 20 plus years. So I say yes to the dress, as they say. I also love it because love what you just said, because for me, I always think it's not about the money. It's not about the thing, but it's about who you become in the process. And like that level of transformation that came just from you saying yes, and fully embodying that person. Like you said, all of those results came from that. Absolutely. So you just started to say this quote, and I actually have it pulled up, but I want to read it out loud. You said, a desire is the interface between you and that which is greater than you. Every woman is a legend with her lid on, but a legend with a lid is a legend that never gets to live. Every woman's legend must be lived in order for her to feed the evolution of the world. We will never live our legend if we follow someone else's script or someone else's roadmap. Listening to and living our desires as if they were a roadmap to our truth is the way we women live our unique, phenomenal gifts. Each of us has a unique voice that the world requires. And the key to unlocking your gift is to cherish your own storyline and to stand with every fiber of your being for the significant and momentous importance of your desires. Everything you want matters. It matters deeply, not just to you, but to everyone. We are all impacted, influenced, and shaped for the better by the radiant power of a woman's desire. Woo! So good. I'm going to say it better myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> so amazing. So what are some of the first steps that people can take to start to tap into their desires? Because I don't know about you, but I hear from women all the time. I don't know what I want, or I'm not allowed to have what I want. I'm not worthy or it's too much. What are some of the first steps they can take? Here's the, the real key for a woman to tap into her desires, and it's going to feel counterintuitive, but she needs to have a lot of pleasure in her life as women. We have 8,000 nerve endings dedicated to pleasure. That's our clitoris. That's our design. So if 8,000 of your thoughts every day are not about pleasure, 8,000 of your decisions, 8,000 of your dreams, 8,000 of your desires, then you're not living the design of what it means to be a woman. And most women are not living the design of what it means to be a woman. You know, I had I just started a brand new course called Virtual Pleasure Bootcamp yesterday, ask them a question and 300 plus women on the call. I'm like, how many of you are really, really good at working hard? 100% of them raised their hand. How many of you are really, really good at taking care of other people? 100% of them raised their hand. I was like, how many of you are really good at receiving pleasure? Maybe one or two. How many of you are really good at standing for your own pleasure? Crickets. We live in a patriarchal world culture, which means that the values of the masculine are the values that our culture supports. Work really hard. Profit is the goal. That's the most important end game. Go it alone. No pain, no gain. All of those things are part of kind of wounded patriarchal culture. Whereas the feminine is really different than that. You know, we're about connection. We're about community. We're about relating. We're about pleasure, but we don't explore those regions. We don't approve those regions because the wider culture doesn't. So we kind of adopt, we, we get really good at manning up. And the problem with manning up, it leaves us dried out like old sponges, like just dry and crispy. And when a woman is dried out, she completely is disconnected from her desire. If she's somebody that overworks and overgives, she is not going to know anything about anything that lights her up, turns her on, makes her happy or brings her pleasure. And she'll be completely disconnected from what she most deeply longs for. And the problem with that is that the voice of women is the, the greatest untapped natural resource on this planet. We need the voice of the feminine. We need to create balance between the masculine and feminine. But if women don't know who women are and aren't really living our design then there's no ability, first of all, for the dudes that we work with or make love to or parent, there's no way that they can serve us or make us happy because we're so disconnected from our own joy and our own happiness. So it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a situation, Emily, that we're going to have to address today, create some balance between the masculine and the feminine, because the kind of evolution of this world is dependent on women connecting to what they most deeply, deeply long for what they most deeply desire. And pleasure is the way there. Pay attention to her pleasure. And it doesn't mean we have to have sex 24 seven, although I'm, I'm not opposed to that. If somebody wants that, I, I'm not going to argue with you, but pleasure could be, you know, sipping tea, uh, your favorite Bengal spice tea with your favorite whale mug. Like I just, I don't even know why, why do I love this whale mug so much, but I, just, <laughs> I love it. It's massive. It's, so cute. And so for me, that's a pleasure this afternoon mm -hmm. with you and sip my Bengal spice tea with a little almond creamer and well, that's tending to me. 
that's serving me. I have a personal investment in this conversation as well, because I always love learning from you. And I'm also learning from one of your colleagues, Anne Davin, who is my amazing therapist. And she and I were chatting about the fact that I could center my day around myself and my self-care. And I was like, it was an aha moment for me because I never thought about my day centering around me. Like I always center my day around my work. And so I'm curious to know, like, is that one of the shifts that people can make where they start to just think about their day in a different way? And it's not just about their job and getting things done. It's actually more about what turns them on, what makes them feel good, what brings them joy. Yeah, totally. And is amazing. And she said, center your day around you, but it's not you selfishly. No. It's about what connects you to you. And it's just a paradigm shift. It really doesn't mean that you're going to spend all day just lying around eating bonbons or being self-indulgent. It's not that at all. It's that you will design, let's say your morning with a morning ritual that in some way lights you up or makes you feel more you. I started my day sitting in front of the fireplace with my journal and then I danced and then I meditated, you know, so how long did that take? Like probably an hour, but it was worth waking up for a little earlier so that I could give myself those pleasures before I started in on my obligations and the stuff I had to create and do today. It's a, it's more of a choice, more of like a shifting your lens. You are still going to be just as accomplished. You're getting, you're going to get just as much done, maybe even more when you design your life around what it is that lights you up, it makes you happy. Yeah, it's so interesting because I started my company, I Heart My Life, eight years ago, but I feel like I'm still learning about joy. And it makes sense, right, to start a company called I Heart My Life if that's something you're craving, figuring out, you know, what it takes to love your life and what makes you happy. And that that self-care piece is one of the things that's always been a challenge for me in many ways because I feel like I have so many things I want to do. And so I'm wondering for you. You obviously have a lot of ambition. You've created this incredible school that's helped hundreds of thousands of people. You've written your books, all the things. So how do you continue to put yourself first and not let sort of things encroach on your boundaries or or let the walls come down? I have a really strong practice of pleasure. I have a lot of orgasm. For me, that's a resource of really keeps me connected to myself, turned on, tuned in. I love sensuality. I love that aliveness, whether it's a practice with myself of self-pleasure or with one of my lovers. I make sure that I'm not scarce at all in the orgasm department. I think there is no reason to not have as much orgasm as you want in your life. There truly is not. So that's one element. I love to dress in a way that makes me feel sensual and alive. So if something doesn't impact me that way, it doesn't have a place in my wardrobe. I love food, you know, make a gorgeous, sexy, fresh salad for lunch today for me and my daughter, you know, with just like colorful fruit, vegetables, and a little bit of fish and pumpkin seeds and yellow peppers. And so it's like this beautiful where I am aware of all of my senses and I love to feed them all. It sounds like it's like extreme moments of uh, present being present as well. Present and tuned in. Mm -hmm. 
I'll be noticing like what lights me up. Wow. I just love these big, beautiful salads and I love sharing them and all. I love having, you know, company at lunch where I'm sharing them with my roommate or my daughter or friends. Like it's kind of tuning into the things that light me up and bring me joy and then making time for them, which once again, it's not like a lot of time. But it's just putting the thought behind making sure that the value of joy in connecting between myself and myself. How do you do it? What have you learned on your pathway? Like, how do you keep your Emily alive and delicious and turned on during your day? Yeah, it's I've been exploring that a lot lately. So I love the morning routine piece and just figuring out what feels good to me. And I like variety. Yeah. So for me, I love to journal. I love to read like something spiritual in the morning. I love to take walks with my husband. I love to sit in front of a fireplace. Like fires are everything. <laughs> are everything. Yeah. They are. But the thing that I feel I haven't yet landed on is like, I, I love the work that I do. And so I'm still exploring what do my like fun hobbies look like? What do I like to do for fun outside of morning routine, evening routine, hanging out with my husband? And that's one of the things that I'm still on a quest for. Great. And do you like deliberately explore things so that you can reading books together or having him recite poetry to you or reading you erotic stories at night or, you know, like we haven't done that stuff, but that's a good idea, <laughs> but it's more so with myself, like figuring out what that is. Um, for me, I've never been somebody who's danced much, but for some reason I'm feeling called to do more of that. There's a group of women in Austin who do a hip hop dance class all the time. And I'm like, you know what? That's calling me. That sounds really fun. I'd love to see you do hip hop. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> I'm coming to Austin at the end of the month. I'll to check out your hip hop class. Yeah. Yeah. Nita goes. So one of the other questions I have for you recently in one of our retreats, I shared your Instagram feed with our students and it was so amazing to see their response. And, you know, obviously everyone listening can go and look it up, but just to paint the picture, a lot of the times you're dancing in lingerie, you have feather boas, like it's, it's beautiful and it's erotic and it's like a boudoir shoot and it's just fun. And you're just vulnerable and honest. And you mentioned a few minutes ago that you're an introvert slash extrovert. So I'm curious to know, like, is that from you channeling Mama Gina? How did you get so comfortable with putting yourself out there in that way? Yeah, thank you for asking. It was a, a few things. One of the things I noticed is that a woman turned on is a woman in her highest power. And when we wear three-piece suits under the fluorescent lighting in our cube farm, there's no turn on there whatsoever. And in all of the years of teaching women, I, I've learned through observation and experience that women get really, really turned on when they're in lingerie, when they're wearing lingerie, looking at lingerie, seeing another woman in lingerie, like, or, you know, it lights us up. Why? Because women love attention. I mean, did you ever play dress up when you were a little kid? Oh yeah, all the time. Wasn't it? It was like the most fun game. And so yeah. it's basically like I've extended that 
into my adult life where I'm just on a continual game of dress up. I love experimenting with different looks, with different things to wear, with different. And I also, I like to dress to enhance my sensuality because I think our culture, it's provocative and it makes me feel good. And I think that women, when they get over 50, they get put on the shelf like dusty like, oh, she's not hot anymore. And I'm over 60. So I'm like, I am so hot. Like my sex life is insanely good. It's so easy for me to connect with lovers and, you know, people that I might be interested in having sensual experiences with. Like, and I think that it's important to keep those models of that going. So other women can know it's not over when you hit 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, like you can stay alive, connected, turned on and hot for your entire life. It actually intensifies. I'm able to kind of overcome my innate shyness because at the core, I'm an educator and a researcher. So for me, I'm like, wow, okay. If I'm going to be the author of this book called Pussy, I better be willing to throw on some lingerie and take a selfie and go for it. Yeah. I love that reminder. And again, we don't have to go as far as what you're describing. That's not everyone's you know, way of expressing themselves. It's not everyone's work in the world, but what I love that you stand for is just fully embodying who you are and just having fun. And I also feel like you don't take yourself too seriously. And so many of us are just like, we're always criticizing ourselves and we're just so stuffy and stuck in a box and we never actually expose who we really are. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I do take my pleasure seriously. Hmm. I think that every woman has to take her pleasure seriously or she's not living her design. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to live a miserable life. If you do nothing about your pleasure, you will live a miserable life. But if you want access to a turned on tuned in life, you must take your pleasure seriously because there, there will, no one else will. It's not like your boss is going to say, take the day off, Regina, go to the spa with your girlfriends, you know, it's not like your kids are going to let up. They're always going to be like, ma, ma, I need this. I need that. You know, so it's, we really have to do that for ourselves. It's really a discipline and a practice. And you mentioned that the world, I don't know the exact phrasing that you said, but the world depends on us doing that. Can you share more? Why is this so important for others? Well, I feel like that when a woman is turned on, she's herself, meaning she's more likely to say her truth, stand up for herself, speak whatever her values are, contribute. And the world, we require that. Like right now, the masculine and the feminine are really at an imbalance. It's almost like the masculine, you know, if there was a bird of humanity, it's almost like the masculine wing has gotten so powerful and the feminine wing is so tiny. And so then the bird just kind of goes around in circles. And it's not getting anywhere. And I think we see that, right? We're unable to address climate change in an adequate way. We have the Russian-Ukrainian 
war that's happening. There's so many places in the world that there were, there's so much conflict. And my conviction is that if the voice of woman was powered up and the only way to power it up is through pleasure, then we would have balance and then the bird could fly somewhere wonderful together. So it's really on us as women to begin to explore how can we stand more powerfully in who we are and make sure that our perspective is heated and make sure that we know our perspective, which goes back to what you were speaking about, about how do we know about our desires? Because if we don't have desire because we've ignored our pleasure, then we aren't going to stand for our own truth. So it's very, it's very key and it's a very important conversation that's so often overlooked. Mm-hmm. So grateful to have this opportunity to talk about this with you and the amazing men and women that follow you. Grateful. Same. I'm also curious to know about the element of religion. So I grew up Catholic. And so there was a lot of shame associated with pleasure, sexuality, all those pieces that we've been talking about. And even just following your desire, you know, there's so much around put yourself last, be generous, et cetera. So what do you do when people come to you with that belief system? Um, in your school or, or your readers, how do you, how do we move past that and handle it? It's all of the world's great religions, right? It's Christianity, Judaism, Islam, like all of them are based on the masculine and ignore the feminine and shame us, our sensual connection. And it's really just a dot of time in the scheme of things, Emily, like 50,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, the divine feminine was worshiped on this planet way longer than there was the patriarchy. The imbalance is really recent. So I like to look the roots of my spirituality to predate the last few thousand years, which have created so Mm -hmm. much imbalance. And I look to mother nature and the majesty of this planet that we get to live inside where there's perfection in every single aspect of earth, our mother, and all of the beauty that is on this earth that's ours to enjoy. So I think that it takes a certain amount of self-reflection to kind of evaluate, do I want to be limited by the perspectives of these patriarchal religions in which I was raised? Or do I want to expand past those limitations and explore other sides of myself? Because push come to shove, if we're created in God's image, which most of these three major religions believe, we are created with 8,000 nerve endings dedicated to pleasure. That is the design of woman. So it's ours to heed that truth and explore that aspect and kind of break out of the constraints that might limit us from fulfillment of every possible aspect of what it means to be a woman or a man in this world. And I think what you said earlier about finding your dream team, that's been something that's been super helpful to me is just finding community and teachers like yourself and resources where there's a new way of doing things. And there's so much more possibility and there's a different focus in life on desire and pleasure and what you actually want to create. And just seeing that reminder of other people living that has been really powerful for me. Hey, that's so good. And here's the amazing thing. Like you you not only have really grabbed that with both hands in your life, but you're like, I am taking my community with me. (laughs) We are all going to explore and expand together, which is so generous of you and so loving. 
Thank you. Yeah. Well, I say I feel the same as you in terms of putting myself out there and doing this work for myself. And then I need to be a representation of it and share it with other people. That's what this is all about. Yeah, totally. But you do beautifully. Thank you. I do the nature of woman, right? When we find something wonderful, whether it's a great movie or a great show on Netflix or a great recipe or a great bath oil, like the first thing we want to do is tell all our girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> Women are so innately generous. Uh, so I, I hope that everyone who listens to this podcast today chooses pleasure to even make five minutes of taking a step into the exploration of expanding your pleasurable experience of being alive. It will be not only incredible for you, but for everyone who has the privilege of impacting you and encountering you because you will be so lit up. Yeah. Magnetic. Love it. So the final question I have that we ask all of our guests here, I think I know your answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? By surrendering to their (laughs) deepest longings and their desires, because your desires will take you places you could not even dream or imagine. That is the key to really live an unimaginable life is just tune in to what you most deeply long for. And you will have an ever unfolding, expanding adventure. Beautiful. And where can people find you online, Regina? Oh, thank you. Um, My website is www.mamaginas.com, M-A-M-A-G-E-N-A-S.com. And follow me on Instagram, Mama Gina on Instagram. And you can catch my book. Uh, Any bookstore has Pussy, a reclamation or Amazon or Mama Gina School of Women in the Arts. I have four amazing books that are really worth a look. And I wanted to say one more thing on your Instagram. I noticed recently you and another colleague in the online space and in your industry, you were posting about complimenting other women. Can you just share that? Because I feel like that's a great challenge to leave people with as well. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is something that will just completely light up your day is if you just pick any girlfriend, your mom, sister, anyone, and you just do 30 seconds of praise and appreciation for her, which I'll do with you right now, Emily. So Emily, first of all, I'm loving the red lip. It looks so sexy and so beautiful and so hot on you. And it's been such a joy to share this conversation with you, to get to know you a little better, to deepen with you. I just think you rock and I absolutely appreciate you and this time together. So that's how you upright another sister goddess, another woman. I'm going to do it to you. Okay. I'm ready. I'm waiting for you. Regina, I love this time we spent together. You look absolutely beautiful. And what you've shared has not only touched me deeply, but I know it's changed lives by everyone listening. I love your space. It looks really luxurious with all the beautiful pillows and the fur. I love your leopard and what you're wearing. I love how you're just sitting back and you're just receiving and you're just so open about everything you've experienced in your life, everything you do now about pleasure. You're willing to teach. You're willing to go there. You're willing to be you. And I love your smile. I love the energy that you bring to the room. And I love the way that you make me feel because I feel like you really see me and you appreciate me and you appreciate my work in the world. Yay. Spread this around. All of you who are listening to the podcast, call somebody, 
and just give them this beautiful upright and you will make their day. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Regina. I so appreciate you. And I'm excited to continue our friendship and go even deeper. And I'm excited to see everything that you put out in the world in the coming years. Thank you, baby. This has been a great gift. Love you. Love you too. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.